trapped still in the Twilight Eternal, but having passed or failed a multitude of trials orchestrated by a being still unknown to them. Vamak, Mick, Brynir, Val, Kelnies, and Cad were released from their prison of sorts. However, as they were now free to roam about the Twilight Eternal as they did before, a rift had emerged in the group, and Cad was left behind. Though the party didn't make it far, as Val attempted to reach out to Luna, who he'd just found out had tried reaching out to him. And as he did, he heard her small voice in his head. And then an instant later, the realm of the Twilight Eternal broke. All of you flail in the air, kind of just arms and legs, as the ground gives way beneath your feet. There is no more sky. There are no more trees. There's no more farmstead. And even back, you know, some 50, 60 feet inside the house to where Cad was still sitting, you see him also in that distance, taking this slight plunge with you into utter darkness. The world, as you saw it, is now in a hundred million fragments of glass that rain down beside you, falling faster than you do and just spattering across the ground some 50 feet below. When you hit the ground, though the only way that you could actually see that there was ground there is because it's now covered in glass, some parts bigger, some as small as grains of sand, it hurts, to say the least. It's not like as if you did just jump off a five-story building. Your, you know, femurs aren't shooting out of your legs. <laughs> That'd be pretty bad. Gruesome. <laughs> but it does hurt. And your arms and legs, whatever bare skin that's exposed, is cut up by these fragments. It's strange, though, as you're looking about. There's still no real horizon. But there's some kind of light in the sky. This faint, twinkling white. As you look around you, and these fragments of glass that are maybe larger, the biggest one's really only a hand's breadth across, you see the image of the Twilight Eternal still intact within it as if you were looking through a window. But scattered all about you is that world. And standing between you and Cad, looking just as confused as perhaps any of you are, is the thin form of Luna. Her wheat-colored hair is tied back in a tight bun on her head, and her clothes are a little disheveled, stained with soot and dust. She is, as I said, quite confused. Is this your doing? At the sound of that voice, she looks over in your direction, for she hadn't seen you, nor Cad. And she just, you're here! You're all right! And she runs over. And, you know, kind of just awkwardly stops short before reaching any of you in particular. And her eyes just scan each of you. And there's the slightest smile on her face. She's like, it, I was trying so hard for so long. And I just couldn't, I, I couldn't feel any of you. I couldn't. And then all of a sudden you were there. And then all of a sudden I was here. And you were here too. And she kind of just peers over her shoulder up in the sky where this light, like a little twinkling star, does seem to kind of pulsate and grow brighter and larger as time progresses. And she turns back to you all and says, Someone's noticed us, so we don't have long, but we need to find a way out of here, wherever here is. Perhaps you could... Uh, where are we? If you don't know, I don't think any of us do. Kelnie speaks up and she says, 
Well, we thought we were in the realm of Anahan, called the Twilight Eternal. Some kind of internment area for all of us sinners. And Luna is like, Kalnies? Oh, uh, yes, I'm back. <laughs> I think. Time will tell. <laughs> Anything else I should know about? Where's Barty? Where's Rolandia? Where's Cargas? We, well, Barty is dead. Um, Rolandia is suffering a fate worse than death. Uh, and Cadigas is behind you. What? And she turns, and indeed, Cadigas does stand, walk over, kind of brushing glass off his self. And he's like, good, you're here. You're all right. I am, yes. But then she turns back to Val and the rest. What do you mean, Barty's dead? You can't die in places like this. Well, uh, I'm not entirely sure how it all works, but we did see him pass away. And as Rolandia is not here himself as well, I imagine he is still also within the Twilight Realm. Well, it, it doesn't matter where we are, then. We, we just need to go. We need to leave immediately. Well, everybody was talking and, and whatnot. Vamak is going to put a couple of these glass shards into like a little pouch, taking some of the big ones, taking some of the small ones, and he's just gonna he's just gonna put them in there. Who knows what it might be good for later. Well Luna, do you have an idea of how we can get out of here? Perhaps uh, one moment, and she turns away from you all, and she just reaches her hands out in front of her as if prying a door apart. And it looks like she's actually struggling against something physically, though there is no form in front of her. And then, like, in the briefest crack, the briefest sliver, you see the shadow just pull apart, and a pinprick of light shines on her face between her fingers, and then it closes once more, and she just falls back and collapsing to the ground. Val will kneel next to her. I don't think he's fast enough or, like, with it enough to catch her, but he will get down there after she's fallen. It, c could we help you with that? Uh, I don't know. It's... We're, we're not supposed to leave. No, that was uh, sort of the point of where we were, and you broke that, so... <laughs> well, again, we're not supposed to leave. I don't think they were really trying to stop anyone from coming in. Has the approaching light gotten quite a bit bigger by now? Uh, not too much bigger. It's kind of like a, if you look up at Jupiter on a good day. Oh, I see. <laughs> so it's still pretty far out. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's just little. So we either got a big old planet that's way out there or something smaller than a planet that's a bit closer. <laughs> Science lesson. Um, that will help Luna to her feet. She, you know, graciously accepts your help and her hand squeezes yours, lingering, you know, a second longer before letting go of you. Val will absolutely squeeze her hand back. <laughs> Kalnias also bends down and picks up a shard of this glass that's maybe half her hand across. She's just staring at it, instinctively um, standing beside Mick. Kind of just proffers him the, the shard of glass. Care for a look? Hmm, don't mind if I do. And Mick takes it into his hands and looks at it, examines it. Does he see anything out of the ordinary? You see a part of the Eternal that you weren't there for. Seemingly low hills and mountains, lots of streams, all leading down to this little valley where 
lot of ponds then feed into a small lake. It's a strange little place, the water bubbling, steaming in the middle. Mick is going to motion towards Kelnies next to him and says, Kelnies, tell me what you see. Do you recognize this place? No, that's alien to me. I don't quite... Actually, this puzzled look kind of befalls her and she, she says, it's familiar, but it, it shouldn't be. I've never been there. And Mick, too. As you see Kelnias' nostrils flare, Mick also gets this, like, rotten tinge, just skirting the edges of your nose. Mick is kind of taken aback by this and goes, how strange. Everyone, take a look at this. And he motions towards the others and tries to show them what he sees in the shard. Kelnias is just, like, standing. He's like, I I can't put my finger on it, but it's... I feel I've heard it spoken of. And she actually, like, puts her hand on Mick's arm. She's like, I've been here a long time, and not everything's as clear as I wish it would be. I'm sorry, I can't help more. And for Kelnias, um, she kind of just grows a little paler. Mick immediately sees this and keeps the shard in his hand, but wraps his arm um, around Kelnias as if he's getting ready to catch her if she's going down at any moment. Um, Is there any other notable landmarks that we can locate within the other pieces that might be worth collecting? You see dark swaths of forest. If you look real hard, you can find Victor's farmstead. You see a few (laughs) scattered sheep and pigs. Many places that you don't recognize that seem to have some sense of importance, whether they're collections of stones in different arrangements or, you know, other land features. For instance, there's a small stream that spirals in on itself, where then a large kind of purplish pinkish rose just sits in the middle, though these are not things you experience during your time. Yeah. Val will grab anything that looks important and just sort of bring it over to the group like, I'm sorting the edge pieces, kind of like we're doing a puzzle. However, none of them, I will say, give off the same... The vibes. Yeah, vibes. (laughs) As the piece that Mick holds. (laughs) You're welcome. Because similar to as when Rolandir was physically there, there is some kind of pressure emanating from that shard of glass. Okay. Mick is first going to say, Vamak, now don't think that you were being so sneaky putting those shards in that pocket of yours. Take them out. Tell us what you see. Luna, please come here. Look at the shard. Examine it. There's a... I can't put my finger on it, but there's something about this shard that's causing us to be unsettled, particularly. And he motions to Kelnias with his head next to him in his arms. Cad actually steps forward and he's like, is this really something we should be wasting our time on? Well, I mean, if that light is as far away as Jupiter is, then we got time. (laughs) (laughs) If you actually do look up at the light now, it's about as big as if you extended your arm and like held up your thumb. With the shard that Mick and Kelnais were going over, I guess it depends on how much of a view was in there, but I like it was pretty close to where Brynir found Rolandir, but, like, obviously he doesn't know the pond and whatnot, but, like, are there any other features in there that he would, like, be like, oh, I mean, that's kind of where I found Rolandir. The only thing that's similar to where you were is the amount of light, because if you remember, there was, like, 
Actually, why don't you just roll history right now? <laughs> Let me see what my history is. Oh, plus one. So 20 altogether. It's about as bright as when you found Rolandir, but other than that, there's nothing distinguishing. I don't know if this helps, but I, I don't know if you all realize that the light got brighter and darker in the, the realm. It's But with that piece in particular that making Kelnias found, that's, I would say, maybe around the same place that I found Rolandir, but I couldn't say if it was the same place. Do we have any more connection to Intent than we did inside the Twilight Eternal, or are we still at the same baseline? Your connection to the essence of Egadon still seems to be as muffled as it was before. Okay. However, when Luna did cause that tiny pinprick of light when she ripped reality for that split second, those of you who are connected to Intent did feel that spark. Okay. Here's actually a question. Those who look at the shard that imbues this kind of like icky feeling, I guess you could say, is everybody feeling that or only the people who are connected to intent in some way, shape or form? You wouldn't be able to know that, but no one else feels it looking at it except for Mick and Kelniace who are touching either it or each other. Okay, so everybody says looked, they haven't touched it. Yeah. Luna walks up to Mick and just like looks down at your hands where you're holding the shard or your hand since the other is around Kilnace's shoulders. And she says, I don't know what that is either. And as her little finger just goes out and touches it, she instantly recoils as if burned. And she takes a couple steps back. She's like, gods, that is, how can you stand holding that? Cad also like immediately comes up and expresses concern for me kind of hearing the commotion right and figuring out that this one particular piece of glass is kind of more special than the others Vimok puts away the little piece of glass that he was looking at had a little Americ man in there and he goes to the other shard with uh, the bubbly lagoon the ponds leading into other ponds and he doesn't really express any concern for Luna he, he just kind of goes straight for the glass shard and he goes to just, just reach out and touch it and see if he can feel anything. As Vamok touches it, you find yourself there. As you look around, the, the rest of the group is gone. Ruh-roh. And you are standing on the edge of this pond as it devours these little minnows that desperately try to swim away from it. And as you, you can actually turn over your shoulder and you see like this fracture in the sky, in the shape of that shard of glass. And it's like looking outward at everyone else. And you see even yourself like extended your finger, like slowly, slowly moving to touch the glass. You, you can garner that once perhaps Big Vamok in the sky touches the glass, you'll be back. Okay, Vamok then turns around kind of looks at the pond, he's going to crouch down, and just like, just instinctually, he just gets the feeling that there's something there. Something, I don't know, maybe is trying to communicate, and so he's going to crouch down and examine the surface of the water, and he's just going to call out and say, Is there anyone there? The surface of the water is still, but you feel this pressure kind of pushing in on your chest as you speak. It's not difficult to get words out, but it's a conscious effort, which is abnormal. You do make the connection that this bed of sand, this white sand on the bottom of this lake, are the, you know, 
melted bodies and bones of these tiny fish that swim desperately, trying to get away from its currents. And that sand does seem to shift after you speak. And then you hear, Oh, yes, (laughs) you are one of the others. The band of misfits and miscreants. Son of the mountain, that's what you are. But so much more than a son. Perhaps a brother, a leader, not a father. No, I don't see that in you. Though of sorts, why not? You already have those same qualities that yours possessed. Why not rear another whelp to just come up like you did? Why not make another Vermach? Hmm. That's an interesting thought. Simply put, it takes two. (laughs) (laughs) Takes two to tango. The world does not need more of me in it. No, no, it really doesn't, does it? What do you want from me? I want little. (laughs) All I want is to impart knowledge. It's my goal. You see, you are one that tries and try and try as you might. You will fail. As I told your misguided friend that spoke with me before. However, is he truly a friend? He did sell you away after all. Caused you a fair bit of pain and suffering. Though, once again, perhaps he's not even the same as he was. Reese Relandier. Lieutenant, the Rift Wardens, you're quite a long way from those tribal halls where you were reared. (laughs) Are you even Vamak anymore? Or are you also different? It is foolish to assume that one will stay the same throughout the course of their life. As a boy grows into a man, So too do people grow, they change, some become stronger, some weaker, but it does not matter. What is in the past is in the past, and what is in the future is not known to me. Therefore I see no reason to concern myself with anything but what I am now. Call me Vamak, call me by some other name, it does not matter, I am me. And that will not change. Perhaps. And perhaps you're wrong. For, as you said, the future is not known to you. But mayhaps it's known to me. Who can truly tell between the truth and a lie? Especially the lies we tell ourselves. Especially those about those that we pretend to care about, perhaps pretend to care about us. 
Wouldn't you like to know which of these supposed friends of yours wouldn't stab you in the back at the first chance they got? What they really think about the mock. Oh, and do act quickly. Your time draws near, as do you. And you just feel this, like, inkling to look back. And as you do, if you do, you'd notice that, like, the vision is very close to ending. As Vamok, who touched the glass, is almost touching it again. Perhaps they would all stab me in the back. I do not necessarily concern myself with what others think of me. But it seems that you know of someone who is more ready to do it than another. So tell me, then. If this is the knowledge you offer, who is it who seeks my death? Though they don't seek your death in particular, I think you've already ousted one of your little party as willing to go beyond your own means and your own well-being, if necessary, the Elfkin. Caligas has made his attitudes quite clear. Though, perhaps his compatriot by blood would not be entirely so opposed to the same ideas, though he purports otherwise. Don't you think? Perhaps it's just in the blood of kin, hell-bent on raising this world to the ground that's given them oh so much, sacrificing you and the others, if needs be, to guarantee his success. Pray then, Vamok, that Val's success means your success. And then the vision ends, and Vamok gets this searing pain just on the tip of your finger when you touch the glass, and you too are, like, you know, instinctively recoil. Gah! Did none of you see that? See what? Yes, it causes tremendous pain, as I was telling you. Luna looks up at Vomok, and you hear in your mind, though no one else seems to, you spoke with it too. Yes. Did you receive knowledge from it? And you can hear, like, the air quotes around knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. And Luna turns her gaze away from Vomok. Kalnies kind of rolls her shoulders and steadies herself gives Mick a pat on his back and then steps away from him. I think we should just leave that well and be, honestly. We should figure out what to do here, because that, and she points up in the sky, where now it's about as big as a fist, if you held it up, is coming closer, and I don't want to find out exactly what it is. Thou will look to Luna. Are you alright? Uh, yeah. He gives her a look that is like, is that a lie? <laughs> and she gives a lips pressed into a thin smile type of, mm-hmm. Okay, great. <laughs> Look. Val, yeah, yeah, yeah. Val knows that, that feeling. Are you feeling well enough to try again? I could use some help. Yes. Val will look to all intent users here to sort of like back her up. Um, also, I was just going to say that when Kelnier said that we should leave that here, Mick almost instantly casts the shard away from him. And I'm going to guess. Whoop! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna guess Sir Mick does not feel the tinge in his nose and his nostrils anymore, so. 
no, that, that sensation and pressure leaves you as you toss the shard away. Okay, great. Vamok will step forward, indicating that he will help. Katz is already standing next to Luna, so he just puts a hand on her shoulder. Mick is going to assume that he cannot partake in this, so he's going to stay back with Brunier and just put a little arm on his shoulder to be like, hey, it's okay, man. There, there. <laughs> um, Val is going to offer his hand to Luna. Luna will take it, but she doesn't, it's not like a, you know, hand-in-hand hand type grasp. It's <gasps> it's like fingers intertwined. Oh, <gasps> Luna! Luna got the hots for Val! <laughs> <laughs> That's what that means. (laughs) That screech that I just did is what Val is doing internally. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You forget that Val is basically a high schooler. (laughs) (laughs) And then in moments like these. Well, I don't want to be left out. Is there anything that I can do? I will need your help. There's something here that's stopping me from feeling the essence of Egadon. And there isn't much here to draw upon, but our own life force. So whether or not you can use essence, if it's alright, I can try using yours, all of you. I know that this was directed towards Brynir, but obviously Mick hears that and walks forward and kind of comes into this scrum, if you will, <laughs> and puts his hand on the shoulder of Kelniace. Kelniace just like rests her hand on Mick's back or something. And Cad actually steps away from Luna kind of in the middle of everybody, looking around, he says, this is not as simple as some of you may believe. Drawn from the essence of Egadon is like drawing from Egg himself. It's a nearly limitless pool. But as soon as any one of you is pushed to the brink, your lives will be snuffed out. Are you sure you want to do this? He says, looking at Luna. And um, she actually releases Val's hand and takes a step back and just kind of wipes her hands on her tunic. She's like, I didn't think of it like that. Did she wipe them because somebody had sweaty palms or something? (laughs) (laughs) Rude, but probably true, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) Luna Luna does look to each of you in turn. She's like, I I don't think I'm willing to sacrifice any of you, even if it means getting out of here. And she looks at this, you know, thing in the sky, which is now, you know, probably like uh, frisbee size. And it is getting quite bright here as these shards of glass, these millions of pieces of glass are reflecting this light. Cad is standing in the midst of the group and he just says, If we wait, we're found by whatever that is, presumably Anahan, and put back where we were to wait our trial. And if we leave, we return to the world that they created, that they can snatch us from at any moment. You really want to throw away lives just to prolong this stupidity. Many lives have already been thrown away. I'm not suggesting we do it again or do more, but you are correct in that there really is no escape. If everyone is comfortable staying and waiting to see what is coming our way, that is all right by me. Very well. If the odds of survival are more or less the same, I suppose we can wait to see what the light wants. Kelnie says, I trust Luna, and if getting out of here gives us a shot at doing something, even if it's just hiding, I say we try. I've already thrown away my life once or twice. What's what's a third time? Hell, a fourth. 
I've lost count. If this light is indeed Anurhan, the goddess of justice and order, do we believe she will look upon us favorably? Probably not. When seen from that perspective, I agree with Kanis. We should leave. I know it contradicts what I just said, but... <laughs> <laughs> but now that Kan has agreed with me, I'm going to change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever we do, we better act fast. That thing is coming. Luna looks at the group and she asks, Have any of you suffered some kind of wound in the past? Something great that was healed with magic or intent, whether in this world or the last. I believe that we have all received a great deal of healing. I know that I have, and if memory serves, so has everyone else. What do you intend to do? You see, essence and intent, as I know you have unfortunately experienced, doesn't just reach into the here and the now, but into what will be and what has been. Upon drawing upon the life, that the essence that gives us life, if I were to just take what was here, we would fail. We would all die. But I can reach elsewhere. I can reach into the past, and perhaps whatever magical sutures were put in place to keep you from falling to pieces will remain intact, but I can't guarantee it. Either that, or I can reach ahead, and I cannot guarantee that if... You suffer some wound in the future that it can be repaired. Not by these means, at least. Luna, are you saying that if we pursue this course, that our fate is death, no matter what? No, but it's like this. We don't have enough essence. I don't have enough power to get us out of here by just using what we have. So whether I reach into the past and I take back what was given to you, and it may or may not harm you if you were to be saved by natural processes. Or I reach into the future, and I take a few years off your lives. I say take from the future, at least from me. I am doubtful that I am going to live what some would consider to be a long life. You can all choose. It won't just be a blanket spell. Kalnias also says, take from my future. I doubt I'll be any of use for much longer, so might as well shorten it. I say take from my future as well. I'm almost certain to die if you take from my past. I'll tell you that much. And he winks at Luna. Luna does not wink back. <laughs> Gosh dang you, Luna. Mick <laughs> <laughs> kind of, you know, like, straightens up his invisible tie and goes, it's just a joke. <laughs> I suppose that... You can take from my future, but I cannot guarantee that there is much throughout my life. Val will offer his hand to her again and say, Got a long lifespan? Cad rolls his eyes and says, "Uh, Very well, if this is what we're doing. You can take from his present. (laughs) (laughs) It is dead, bingo. She can take from his present. I can feel others, though, too. Like us, here. There are some beings in this plane that are completely lost to themselves. They're not... I don't know what they are anymore. And there are some things that are even worse. I think I can feel Rolandia. Somewhere. If I try hard enough, I can pull him with us. And I feel other familiar forms. What should I do with them? We should take them with us. I know at least Rolandir. 
will be useful to our cause. In terms of manpower, we can use all we can get. I will say I cannot draw upon them, so it will take more from us to bring them with us. While I do agree that we should try to pull in Relandia, the other familiar people, I feel that we shouldn't. I feel that they could be our old friends, Lerotes, maybe even Barty and Ephron. But at the same time, I, I understand that we've meddled too much in determining the fates of others. I think that we should give a chance to Relandia, who's still alive. But for the others, I'm afraid that we're going to have to leave them. Mick's right. They've made their choices. They're not here. We should go. Not what I said, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) What do you want to do, Luna? I don't want to leave anyone behind. Then bring them. You don't know what you're asking, though. No, but I know what I have already given up. (laughs) And you're just going to give up more? It's a sunk cost fallacy, no? Very well. I'll try my best. And she gives Val's hand a squeeze and then let's go. You may all want to stand back a bit. I will step back. Luna just holds her hands in front of her and then reaches out as if trying to wedge them between something. And though it is just empty space that she's touching, there's a distortion in the air, like heat radiating from something outward from this crease that she's made. And this light above you is growing brighter and brighter and brighter. And those of you who deign to look at it can see that there is, in fact, a figure at its center. And it is the familiar form of Anahan that confronted you in Miralag's realm before bringing you here. And behind her is a whole host of strange beings that are quite inconceivable. You don't really see how they fit together, but at the very least, they appear deadly. They're more geometric shapes than anything else. And you can feel this, not hatred, but purpose, burning toward you as she approaches. And Luna just starts to struggle harder and harder against this crease. And then finally, ripping flesh apart, little strings still clinging to another before snapping. There's these little dots of light. Not like the light of Anahan that is almost sanitized, but warm and yellow. And she just rips further and further, and Brynir feels a bit of a drain. And then as she continues to rip this gap open, Mick also feels just a bit of weariness. And then Vamok too, honestly, as if a year or two of your life was taken directly from you. You see Cad stumble a bit, and Kelniace again leans on Mick for support. And this portal is barely big enough for Luna to slip through on her own. And she looks back at Val, and her eyes just seem to say, I'm so sorry. And she rips it further. And Val, you feel as if decades are being stripped from you. And further and further... And then she releases it, and it looks almost just like the rift that, out of all of you here, only Vamok and Mick encountered, but that you stepped in all that time ago. This strange tear in reality. Though unlike the rift that was swirling with dark powers and uncertainty, this one seems to carry with it at least a warm promise of safety. And as Luna steps away, panting, the color drained from her face and a bit from her hair, She just points at it, and in a hoarse voice, just, Go! 
Kelniace, who's still leaning on Mick, will, if you'll allow her, grasp at your wrist and then pull you through. Mick allows, uh, just in the heat of the moment. Kind of no choice, really. Cad follows immediately after. Vamak will go on through. Brynjir is just, he says, All right, time to go. And he's going to try to assist Luna and Val in getting out. I have to be last, Luna says. Then Brynjir holds out his hand for Val. Come on, let's go. Val will take Brynjir's hand and go towards the portal. When he reaches it, looking back at Luna, it's all right, I promise. She's like bawling almost, on the verge of bawling. He will give her a very, like a genuine smile and then step through with Brynjir. And then Luna steps through as well. And the last thing any of you hear is this angry chorus of Anarhan and her host as this fissure collapses with a sonic boom. And then it's replaced by darkness. And as each of you in turn blink awake, you're greeted with a soft rustling of wind and gentle bird song. There's warmth, the sun on your face, though sitting up from the cold grass in which you lay, you don't see any of your companions around you, and you don't see anything that looks even remotely familiar, either from the old world or the new. So wherever this is, it's not Egadon. <laughs>